0: Lot talk radio. There's something outside. What is that? Wow.
1: to another episode of On the Shoulders of Giants, talking old timers with Thomas. Thomas being Thomas Steinberg, who is in the studio here with me. Thomas, how you doing?
0: I'm doing just fine, Julie. Doing just fine.
1: Good. Good to hear it. So are you guys getting out of the hot weather up there yet or
0: how oh, kinda. We had a rainy day yesterday. I've just basically got all the boxes put away. I'm now in my new New cottage and everything seems to be set up now, for the most part. Still having tell us email problems that they can't seem to fix. But other than that, everything has just been going dandy.
1: Well, that's good. Moving is always quite the adventure.
0: Oh, it was a
1: headache. <laughs> I can, I
0: totally And a backache, and a body ache, and I got to realize I'm not <laughs> in my third. <30s> yeah, <laughs> it hurts.
1: <laughs> oh, lordy. Well, I'll tell you what we're going to get into, guys, tonight, um, our listeners. we You may not know that uh, Thomas is actually a book author, and he has written some books, um, the first being called The Sasquatch in Alberta, which was in 1989. He wrote Sasquatch, Bigfoot, The Continuing Mystery in 93, and In Search of Giants in the year 2000. Thomas has also co- co-authored a couple other titles, Meet the Sasquatch in 2004 and Sasquatch in British Columbia in 2012. And he's also written a lot of articles. He has his own blog on thomassteinberg.com and uh, has been on different television television shows and uh, radio podcasts. And he's been quite busy over his, the stretch of his um, Search for the the enigma we know as Sasquatch, um, and Thomas. You know, I, I have in front of me here. In search of giants, and that that is such a, a interesting book with the in, the encounters that you took for this book and the way that you interview your witnesses. Um, can you talk a little bit about how you came up with the format that you used? to interview people with? I mean, do you use the same type of format for for every witness?
0: For the most part, I've added to it over the years, of course. You learn new things to ask. As time goes on, you want more information. I always try to get as much information as possible because, you know, the main goal is trying to determine did this person actually see what they thought they saw or is it somebody... Uh, making something up or is it a case of mistaken identity because the simple facts are uh, in interviewing witnesses it, from a research paper there's, when you're interviewing somebody there's only three possibilities one, they saw a Sasquatch two, they mistook someone or something for a Sasquatch or three, they're lying and mm-hmm. as time goes on I find number three comes up more and more and more for the most part but, no, I have used the same standard questionnaire since the beginning, and I, of course, added to it over the years and added more questions. But I kind of like to stick to the same format, just because I think they're the questions that are most prevalent in finding an answer and getting a good mm-hmm. impression of what witness claims to, or at least what they think they saw.
1: Right, and, you know, the one thing I really enjoyed um, in reading in your books is you write down exactly what they say, um, verbatim. You don't like add in the way you think they they said it or should have said it. I mean, people with different type of accents, you can actually hear the accent in your head when you're reading their words. Um, Matter of
0: fact, uh, like the one uh, guy, guy in here, be. I was
1: reading every once in a while, he said "eh, eh," you know, like <laughs> the Canadian "eh," <laughs> yeah. and I that got well, me. That's yeah, he put it time. down had... exactly like the man was talking. Um, yeah. But, I mean, it's really fascinating the way that you, you know, you get the details really well, and then you ask the person to describe in their own words exactly what happened. So it's like a twofold fold uh, interview where it's almost like – you have them telling it twice, looking for any discrepancies.
0: Correct. As a matter of fact, uh, Hancock House, the publisher uh, of all the books since, uh, well, the Alberta book, the first one was put out by Western Publishers, and they no longer exist. But the uh, an argument I had with Hancock is they want they really wanted me to or correct the grammar and things like that, and I was dead set against that because I thought. No, you got to write down exactly how the witness answered the question and what they said word for word, because then the reader gets a better impression of who you're dealing with. Mhm. Yeah, and that yeah, was absolutely. why I always always insisted, for the most part, that no, don't don't give them a dictionary grammar because that's not what they said. You got to say it the way they said it. That in that is in at least in my opinion how it should be done. But the publishers really fought me on that one. <laughs> I can <couldn't laughs> uh, imagine.
1: Um, yeah, because
0: they they naturally want to put everything through through the dictionary and proofread it and everything. And I said, well, this is the proper way to say that. I said, hey, we're not. I didn't interview William Shakespeare every time here. You know, uh, right, was a witness. Exactly. This is the way they talk. This is the way they talk. This is what they said. You know, I think it gives you the the reader a better impression of uh, of the uh, the mental state and and the education level and um, of, of who you're dealing with. You get a more clear picture of who they are, and that's what I wanted. That I wanted in 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 all the books and in all the interviews. So you get a better impression of who you're dealing with.
1: Mhm. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. And uh, just very interesting. Um, some of these encounters few things that i jotted down here when reading them there was one in your book in in search of giants that i have here where somebody described the ears of the creature as being pointy
0: mm-hmm.
1: now that was interesting yes, i remember that one that
0: was, a, that was a fellow who was a late night delivery man and he had a female employee with him and they were just driving along and and this thing came out of the ditch on the right-hand side of the road and started climbing. He said, and what he described was basically Sasquatch in appearance, but what he took to be the ears, and I'm not sure that's what they were, could have been just muscled hair. Who knows? But he said they were rather pointy and Uh odd-looking. He even drew me a little diagram, and uh, I said, that is strange, but that's what he said, so that's what I wrote down.
1: Mm, Yeah, I've heard heard that before, though. Um, People have Scene. It's, it's rare to, for it to come up, but I have heard that um, particular description. Um, another thing that I found is, do you guys have, like, really tall Sasquatch up there? Because these things are massive. Some people, it was nine and a half foot tall, it could have been up to ten feet tall. I mean, that's just enormous.
0: Well, in Alberta, we had an, uh, an odd number between 1948 and 1984 in around the Bighorn Dam in Abraham Lake area, a whole rash of extremely tall height reports. Uh, there were normal height reports in between mixed in with them, but I was always, it always interested me how these extremely tall height reports were all within 80 miles of Abraham Lake. In in a same hmm. general area, and after 1984, at least as far as I know, the extreme tall height reports stopped, and yet normal height reports—so well, I guess what I mean by normal, seven, six, seven, eight feet tall—continued. Right. Yeah, and so That's we had a, a a number of extremely tall animals probably lived out their lives, and who knows, maybe dead by now. Uh, after 1984, I never ever received another one. There was one witness who saw three of them cross the road. He said every damn one of them was about 12 feet tall.
1: Good Lord, that's a, that's, I just can't even imagine seeing something that enormous.
0: Um, and of course, well, Alberta, that, one of Alberta's that's interesting most famous. interesting that
1: you students. bring that up that there were the sightings in around that 80 mile area there, um, and then they kind of all stopped along the same time with the, the tall mm-hmm. height description, that kind of gives it a little bit more credence, I think. Um, well, it's very interesting
0: means, how to, trying to explain why they're all in the same general area. Like, uh, normally you kind of think, well, if it's that tall, he's probably overestimating the excitement of the moment. And, you know, that does happen because you see something that's 8-9 mm-hmm. feet tall and you're, you're like five foot six or something, it's going to appear really big to you. And uh, right. maybe it was, but why were all these exaggerations in the same general area?
1: Yeah, and then I, they all kind of just filtered petered off. Petered
0: out. The yeah, same they petered off. So, and hmm, never heard of another one. After. Think, or at least not I haven't. I don't know if other researchers have, but I have not heard of another
1: one. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you what, the, the, there's a lot of um wow, I just the, the rock banging that that people described um walking on all fours, some people saw that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's just reminiscent of of things that I've heard, you know, over the last few years myself about the reports, especially the the rock clacking That seems to be frequent down here in the the southeast.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, banging rocks.
1: Very interesting.
0: Yeah. Haven't heard of any. I'm actually witnessing a Sasquatch hitting a tree with wood, like our tree knocker friends like to think they do. But uh, I have heard of them and reports of them banging rocks together. What for what reason? Usually, it seems like it's an intimidation tactic, especially if it's doing it in front of somebody. Mhm. Mhm. Well, yeah, I mean
1: that I have a, a friend who um we're we're doing some rock clacking up in Ohio and they got some rocks some very large sized rocks pelted at them and landed like right beside them right after they did it. So um they may perceive that as uh, intimidation towards them, too. So, you know, David Ellis from the Olympic Project always told me, hey, Julie, don't go, you know, clacking rocks together out in the woods if you think you're hearing or, or sensing or seeing something because it it may get you some rocks thrown at you, to say the least. So, you know, he's also heard about the experiences people had with that. And I find it interesting that... Uh, a lot of the similarities between what goes on up there and what goes on down here—there's um, hmm. definitely something to all this. Yeah. That many people can't be imagining what they're hearing and seeing because it's just so much that they have in common. Um, sure? Now, there was one that stood out stood out to me. The Don't. gentleman said that. Where the nose should have been, there was actually, it looked like two holes or two slits there instead of an actual nose. That's kind of creepy. Yeah, have you no, heard that no, description no. a lot, or is that?
0: No, not a lot, but the, the nose is usually described as rather flat and flared. Now, that may have been just a case of one that had an extremely flat nose and flared, or it may have been the result of an injury of some kind. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah. And basically. Nose was who knows why it would have lost it, uh, but the nostrils are still there, looking rather ugly. But, <laughs> mm. but uh, who knows? But uh, most of the time, the nose describe is described as rather fl- flat and 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 fr- and you know uh, big. Uh, and you see from profile, it seems to be a rather flat nose, always described too uh, mm. with with large uh, nostrils. Sometimes people say they're rather rather overly-sized large nostrils, but that, if you're a large biped, I imagine you have to take in a lot of air with each breath, and, hey, that sounds like a natural development to me. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. Just, ooh, that would be creepy to see that. Um, And then some people describe the, the heads of these things not so much pointed out at at an angle like a a gorilla, say, or an ape, but more like um, come to a point on top of the head, but not like a real pointy top, but just a rounded, more of a rounded head on the top. Now, and then I was reading another encounter there, the lady that was on a train, and she saw one, she believes she saw one that was really lean and had... Um, a, a round head, and she couldn't see ears or anything like that. But the the what she drew, eh, that was pretty strange looking indeed. The the long legs, um, yeah. Do do you do you think she was pretty sure about what she saw?
0: Well, she uh, she's long passed away. Her name was Frances Rand, and she just got mm-hmm. a glimpse of this. Uh, from a train as, she, as they were passing it by, and she said, it just seemed to be sitting there. It had one hand up to its mouth, she said, uh, whether it was I don't know, scratch or eating something. She doesn't know, and it just seemed to be watching the train going by. But she's mm-hmm. described it as rather long and lanky, and uh, if she, if she said if it stood up, it probably would have been another 12 to 13-foot individual, but she, it was sitting, wow. And she only saw for about five seconds, and 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 it bothered her for years
1: afterwards because she couldn't figure out what it was. Oh, I guess so because what she now is she the one that drew the sketch that's in your book of the thing?
0: Yes, her name was Frances Rand, Yes, correct. Okay, so Don't she remember the drew that. That that was the '60s, I believe that happened. Yeah.
1: Wow, because that is really a um, unusual looking. Sasquatch, if you will, because of the way it was so lean. But right, I, if, that's,
0: if that's what it was, yes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, mm. Of course, I don't know too many other things covered in hair that were streaming lengthy and
1: right. like living
0: in the areas of the Rocky Mountains in eastern B.C. that could be anything else. But who knows, <laughs> Just she just never forgot it. And she actually uh, wrote me a letter and uh, sent that drawing, and uh, I think she told John, the late John Green, about it too at one point. And uh, hey, uh, and, that, and that was her attitude. She basically wanted me to tell her if it was a Sasquatch or not. And that, right. was, that was her attitude. She was a dear lady. She never ever encountered anything like this before, and she never saw anything like it again afterwards uh, until the day she passed, and. Uh, who knows what it was, but it sounds to me like it was probably a sash, and a very odd-looking one at that.
1: That is, uh, yeah, that, that sort of um, definitely stood out when I saw that picture. I was like, <laughs> wow. I don't think I'd ever want to see anything like that. That would probably be enough for me. Um, now, when you are taking reports, Now, if there are any taken at night, have you ever had any reports of people telling you that what they saw had its own type of eye shine or had some kind of weird reddish eye shine?
0: Well, I'll tell you something like this. Whenever someone reported eye reflection being bright red color, that was always a red flag to me. Because I've experienced eye shine of everything you can possibly imagine. I, uh, I've seen mm-hmm. either in flashlight or headlights and stuff like that. And they were always reflecting either white, maybe a yellowish, or sometimes orange tinge to it. But I never, ever, ever saw a bright red reflection. And whenever someone said that, I always assume, okay, you're just trying to make it sound scary, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but guess what? 40 years in this. It's never too late, and I realize you may be wrong. So you had
1: something happen
0: recently? The 20th of August, just a few nights ago, I take an early run out to Sasquatch Provincial Park, just hoping to see something, and uh, going down just before uh, the corner, heading into the park, right in between two spots where I've been investigating sightings in the past, one in 1973, another one in 2010, I'm going along, and what do I see? I see these two bright, bright red things staring at me from the tall grass on the right-hand side of the road. And I first thought, when I first saw them, well, they're all reflectors on an old fence post or something because they're bright red. And all of a sudden, those bright red turned away from me and disappeared before, just before I got there. And I didn't get close enough to see an outline of anything, so I don't know what the heck this was. I'm wow. not climbing a Sasquatch. But they right. did reflect bright red, and I have, in forty years of looking into this, I have never encountered that before. But I did just a couple of nights ago, two, uh, three o'clock in the morning on August twentieth, twenty nineteen, and I stopped wow. and looked, and there was a bit of a drop off there, about three feet or so, and you know, and a little creek, whatever it is, running down through there, and the grass is really tall down there by the water. So I was wondering, is an old fence post here that the grass blew in front of or something? I couldn't find it. So I don't know what it was. It wasn't that high up. It looked to be like raccoon level from the road. But then again, it was standing in that ditch, but that would only make it about three to four feet up. Uh, I don't know what it was, but it did reflect bright red, and that's the first time I've ever encountered that. So now I think I was a little too quick to condemn people. In the past, who said it had bright red reflective eyes?
1: And now, in this, you had a light source. Um, yeah,
0: my headlights, playing my high beams on, were on whatever there. it was, like correct? It. Yeah, I had the road to myself, so I was driving along with my high beams on, and that's where it was. It was just something looking at me, watching the car approach, and as the car got closer, it probably got scared and decided to turn away and retreat. Because I saw them literally, it looked like it, the head turned to, to well, if it's facing me, it would be turning to its left and disappearing into the trees on the right-hand side of the road. But I never got close enough to see the outline of anything, just the eye reflection. And, mm. and uh, I, I still wonder about it because that's the first time I've ever seen eyes reflect bright red. I have never encountered that before. And now
1: I have. Wow. Mm-hmm. That that makes you think. Yeah. Because
0: what does. kind of. Stir, I'm, not um, I'm not saying it was
1: a Sasquatch. Yeah.
0: I don't know what it was, but it, the eyes reflected bright red. And I don't. And I've never. Uh, uh, I expect to see white eyes. Matter of fact, a little further on in Sasquatch Park, the staff, as a joke, has put reflectors on tree stumps and stuff so people see them when they go in Probably. at night. <laughs> usually white or something like that. Uh But outside the park, no, and this thing turned away because I thought there were reflectors because of the red color, uh, but they weren't they they turned away and it disappeared, whatever it was
1: so what you're saying is that it's possible that some type of creature may very well have eyes that reflect red,
0: yes. I I do admit that in 40 years I've been too damn stubborn on that subject, and I've just been taught a big lesson. Wow. you're
1: That's You're never too old or
0: too experienced to realize you may be wrong about mm-hmm. things.
1: Well, and to admit it is very awesome, because a lot of people would have not shared that information. <laughs> but I'm glad you did, because, you know, I've, I've had uh, – several people tell me that they have witnessed these creatures at night and they they have a reddish eye shine big red you know there's a, mm-hmm. a guy that investigates in an area he calls one big red Mike Familot. and um he he's got an ongoing investigation on on these particular creature um but that's uh Man, that could be a whole different show, They're talking about potential. Now, I, I, now, red. So to, me, to me,
0: before the 20th, I would have just assumed, okay, he's probably seeing an orange tinge or something. He's just thinking it's red or something like that. Because I have seen that a hundred times and things like that. You know, mostly most of the time animal reflection is white, you know. and Right. And sometimes an orangey tinge to it, sometimes yellowish, you know. Uh, but I've never seen bright red before. Now I have. Wow. Yeah.
1: Okay. Hmm.
0: I gotta go back Now, have to you
1: ever taken and, you? you know, you've taken state. reports of people saying that what they saw had red eyes. Then am I correct, correct in that? Or?
0: Oh, yes. Yes. If you read the books, you'll see a number of people report red oh. eyes. Yeah.
1: Yep. So. Hmm. And also a bluish tent, I've heard that. I yeah, think I yeah, read your book here that yeah, yeah. somebody
0: but believes. The overwhelming so. majority of them is usually white, you know, white mm-hmm. eye shine. Yeah. Who knows why? Yeah, but um, maybe maybe uh, there's something in the cornea or something that reflects different colors depending on what the thing is doing. I don't know. Uh, but right. again again I can say this was a sasquatch. I don't know what it was. I just saw the eyes. Yeah, and they were rather low to the ground for me. Like the, like it seemed like, like a raccoon height or something like that, at least from the roadside. Now, if it was actually in the ditch, it may have been a little bigger, and I suppose a possibility of a young Sasquatch or something like that. Who knows? But right. uh, I didn't see anything. All I saw was the eyes. It didn't let me get close enough to see it. Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: That's uh, very interesting. Um, now, with your reports, um, you had shared reports with John Green. Is that correct? You and John Green had – did you guys go out actually on reports together? or? Oh, yes.
0: Over the years we did, of course. Mm-hmm. John Green and I were good friends. We did a lot of uh, investigations together. Uh, wow. Uh, or before June passed, uh, we used to take him out quite a bit. As a matter of fact, we took him out not too long before he passed away. But um, yeah, I've I did a number of uh, occasions of uh, gone out with John Green. Yes, and the late Randy yeah. Mhm. And
1: I and, see that Renee popped up in this book several times. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that he had talked to some of these people as well. That you had talk to, and, uh, wow, it's,
0: oh, there's a few that are really interesting, because someone was reporting something to me, and it sounded familiar, as a matter of fact, I just added one to the Alberta book that just got republished last September, that when he was telling me about it, and he sent me a letter, I thought, this sounds awful familiar, and I looked back, and sure enough, there's a letter from this witness, he wrote to John Green back in the early 1980s describing the same incident, and John Green had forwarded it to me. So I decided oh, wow. I to go talk, interview him without letting him know that I know that he already reported to John Green uh, and just to see if it, uh, if what he told me was any different. And no, he basically told me the same story. And I asked him, did you tell this to anyone else? He said, yes, there was this researcher in British Columbia he wrote to, but he couldn't remember the name. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow! Yeah, that's ironic.
0: Yeah, that would be. So now, when now. you're,
1: um, how do you normally get reports? Do people outright contact you? Um,
0: Usually, yes. Yeah. T- they either hear about me, they find me on the internet, they pick, they've seen a book or something of that nature, or, or I'm, they reference to me. That's okay. the biggest problem. Uh, witnesses today as they they they've got so many people to pick and choose from and let's face it a lot of them uh the so-called researchers out there um well you know they well you probably saw something from the fourth dimension that came through
1: that
0: <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Click. Yeah, click I'm not going to Yeah tell we uh, yeah. fighting you know, that but, yeah but you know I Sometimes I come home and there's a message on my phone saying, I'm so-and-so, I saw something, and I don't know what it was. And I contact them. If I like, I like to reach and meet them in person and do the interview in person. And uh, I, now I, I I also videotape the uh, um, the interview as well as record them because the the scene in their face is really true, you know. <laughs> oh, Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. So I tried to do both. I tried to do both. I don't use the old cassette tapes anymore. I've got a,
1: <laughs> a more
0: modern recording device. I finally updated on that, and I can put it straight to the computer to record it. And uh, so I don't need the tape recorder anymore, and i got this drawer system here filled with cassette tapes from the past that it took me forever <laughs> to convert to the computer, but I finally oh, yeah. did it. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: Geez, I bet that took a All the way
0: back to good early long 1980s. time to do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and John Green, yeah, whenever I heard of something, especially when I was in Alberta, I'd send the details to him. If he heard something in my area, he'd send the details to me and he would add it to his database.
1: Wow. That is really interesting that his, um, I've gone on his database and read quite a few reports on there. Um, Yeah, but it's
0: difficult to get at because every time he did it, by the time he was finished, the system was so outdated, most people's computer couldn't pick it up. Yeah. Yeah, and he updated it once just to have that go completely outdated. (laughs) Yeah, It's your beat is old.
1: What is um, the scariest encounter that you've ever been told about? If you were to pick one
0: Oh well one There's so many of them Um, I have a few favorites If that's what you mean That I think are the most interesting Uh, One has to be uh, in Alberta In 1988 known as the Crandall Campground incident Uh, I wrote about it in the book She probably read it Um, Mm -hmm. That's where in Waterton Lakes National Park and Crandall Campground Two couples Uh, or sitting there playing cards on the table, and they thought they heard a few odd noises in the trees. And Susan later told me that one of the first things she noticed is all the deer were gone. I mean, this is an amazing area at Waterton Lakes National Park. The deer come in, and they're right in the campground, they have no fear of people, or they've learned that when people are around, the bears aren't, and the mountain lions aren't, so maybe that's why they hang around the campground so much. But the deer, had all disappeared, and uh, Susan and her and her husband decided at around 11.30 p.m. to walk down the short trail from Site C3 to the public washroom facilities. And as they were going down the trail, he basically had to pull her along because Susan's uh, the kind of girl who's rather afraid in the woods at night, and it didn't help that this dark, looming thing seemed to be on the trail between them and the washroom, and they almost walked into it.
1: Oh, and my. And they
0: got it let out a, a large snorting noise. He described it like a bull that's blowing out a lot of air. And she pulled away from her husband and yelled, holy blank, 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 that's a blank, mm. blank bear. And she ran back to the And But Scott, he, he kept his eye on it. He could just see the outline of this large figure moving off the trail t- to, to the left. And he said he could see it because behind it was the lone porch light of the washroom facilities that kind of lit up a small area down there. And he could just see the outline of this thing walk off the trail, and he slowly came back. And, of course, the other couple, Gillis, Darwin Gillies and Saren Sanko, who who later on got married and now have a whole platoon of kids, uh, they heard her yell bear, and so it was all helter-skelter for the cars. And they all got in the car. Susan got in the car, locked all the doors. And when her husband, Scott, came back and tried to get in the car beside her, she had locked the door. She wouldn't let him in. Oh, my. <laughs> wow. So he ended up getting in the other car with the other woman. <laughs> and and <it> <laughs> the other guy ended up in the car with Susan. But they turned the headlights on, you see. And the headlights of the car, this thing, whatever they were looking at, walked into the area illuminated by the car headlights almost as soon as they had clicked them on. And it just seemed to them it was obviously it was trying to get out of the area like it had wanted nothing to do with them. And all four of them watched this incredible sight as it walked off and went through, through the campground through the following site, and, and disappeared in the trees toward Blackstone Brook. Well, the two good men got excited. matter of fact, Darren Gillis got out and said, you know what that was? That was a Sasquatch. And uh, the two women wanted to pack up the camp and head back to Calgary. They had enough of their wilderness adventure at that point. The two guys managed to calm them down. And they wanted to get in the car and go looking for it again, which especially Susan wow. didn't appreciate. That's what they ended up doing. And they ended up driving around the campground hoping to see this thing again. And then they got... They noticed a pickup truck coming from the other end of the campground, and, and they flashed the lights out, and they did. And apparently these people in the pickup truck also saw something, and they were trying to see it again.
1: Oh, wow. So maybe
0: a case of rather than four witnesses, we got seven here because there are three people in the pickup truck. and uh, But they never identified themselves. And unlike our four main witnesses, who did the rare thing, they actually went and reported it to the park warden's office the next day. See, in Canada, in national parks, are called wardens, not rangers. Now, uh, there, Alan Dibb was the, was the warden in charge of the case, and he, he said he told me, I interviewed him separately, he told me he did everything he could could to try and convince these people that what they saw was a bear standing up or something like that, but they wouldn't have any part of it. And Darren Gillis insisted on putting something down on paper. He wanted to write out what happened. Well Alan Dibb said, oh, no, 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 you don't have to do that. I said, I want to write something down. And as far as I know, that report is still on file in the Park Warden's Office in in Waterton Lakes National Park. Mm. Now, wow. one so thing that, that bothers- yeah, one thing that bothers me about this case is who were the three people in the other pickup? Were they actually who they claimed to be, three other possible witnesses that were also trying to see it again, like they claim? Or were these three people who pulled off a hoax or something and were just hanging around to see if their tactics were successful? That was a possibility. But hmm. I don't know. I was never able to identify them, and to this day
1: I don't know who, the, who they were. That's interesting that uh, they almost walked on uh, on top of it.
0: That's right, oh. and they said it was huge. <laughs> so yeah, the eyes. Oh my just gosh. In fact, in the case of description, and everything. I don't think it, my impression is I don't think a someone walking around in a suit of some kind would have been so successful. But uh, again, you have to, you can't discount that possibility completely. It's known as the Canberra yeah, Crandall. I mean, yeah. And I think, well, some of that's a classic tale. Yeah, who knows? Hmm. That was uh, well, the May-long weekend. Um, the... Oh, no, go ahead. What? I said uh, it was the Victoria Day-long weekend of 1988, and it's one of the most interesting ones I ever, ever ever looked into. And after the fact, I used to, well, I still do, but every now and then I get asked to go talk about And I definitely did when I was in Alberta, was often asked when a classroom or something was doing something on Canadian mysteries, I'd be asked to come in and talk to the kids about the Sasquatch. And the two women in this particular case are teachers. And one time I went in there, and sure enough, Susan Ray Adams was asked to come in too. she's a teacher, and uh, she was asked, and I watched her tell those kids what happened in 1988.
1: So, Wow. -hmm. Yeah, for a teacher to to share that information with a classroom, you you know, she definitely believes in what she saw.
0: Absolutely. So I don't think it was a case of uh, uh, visual misinterpretation. The only two possibilities is they saw Sasquatch. Or someone hoaxed them. Wow. Mm-hmm. I tend to go probably, if the Sasquatch does indeed
1: exist, it's probably the former. hmm Yeah, I tend to agree with you on that. All right. Now, you have a Another. report in, in the book here that talks about someone seeing, uh, they thought maybe was carrying a baby, a baby one.
0: Yeah, that was uh, near seven persons in Alberta. There was a rash of incidents there around that time, and someone said it was carrying a. Well, well he first thought was a bundle of some kind. And then he thought it may have been an infant. He doesn't know what wow. it was, but it did. It did seem to be rather. It did seem to have large pendulous breasts, and it seemed to be carrying something in its arms. Now, whether or not, but he never really got a good look at it, so he just assumed it may have been carrying an infant. It was carrying something. Yeah. Hmm.
1: Mhm. Well, I, yeah. I interviewed that had the same uh, thing happen to him. He saw one from from behind, and its left arm was in a position such that it looked like it was carrying something. And Yeah,
0: carrying something, I guess which his, he uh, later thought might be an infant, but he's not really sure yeah, what it was carrying.
1: Yeah, his mom told him, because his mom was elderly and... She said I think he said she was in her nineties when he was telling her about it and she said, Well what month was this again? And he said, June and she said, Well it was probably a young one then. That's about the time the the creatures are having babies. Yeah. You know, she pointed cool. that out and he's like, Wow, you know, never thought of that so Yeah, yeah,
0: of course of course her dates and stuff is just speculation on her part. Who knows if the Sasquatch have a meeting season or so like? Exactly. That. It's
1: a I That's uh... like it. <laughs> now, have you had That's... reports of people seeing them with juveniles, the smaller ones, beside them?
0: Well, there's one case in Alberta. Again, this was uh, also in the, the Big Horn Dam region where. The witness who told me was a little girl at the time, and she was in the back seat with her two parents in the front seat, and they saw five creatures cross the road in front of them, and one seemed to be uh, very much taller than the others. The others weren't all that small. They were all about the six-foot level. Now, whether that was an adult male with his clan or whatever you want to call it, who knows? But, yes, there have been reports of large Sasquatch with rather smaller ones, and a lot of people either say, well, maybe a large male with a smaller female, or could be uh, a female with some young ones. Who really knows? Again, you know.
1: Right. Hmm. Well, that's uh. So it was a, a little girl in the in the car. That now did everybody in the car see him? Oh you
0: know, yes, they were all looking at it. And here's the most irritating right. thing: was the camera with the zoom lens sitting on the seat between the two adults, but not one of them thought to pick it up and take a picture.
1: Yeah, I imagine your mind goes to a lot of places when you see something like that. Um,
0: yeah, he said they just walked way to cross to imagine how. 11 and they just kept going on their merry way, a whole line of them, five of them. The big one was in the front, and uh, they were following him. So that's what happened, yeah. Wow. Yeah, and she was just now a little girl at the time. your book here that I'm oh. reading
1: um, has some statistics in it about the area that you were actually writing about. Um, now, we've that D.C. and the Search of Giants, the, the statistics that you put in there? Um, a lot of people would think you'd see them more at night, but in your statistics, it looks like most of your sightings were actually during the day. Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, my stats don't usually follow the accepted stats but again stats can vary I mean it may be logical I mean people see farther during the day than they do at night most mm-hmm. encounters at night people are pretty close to the subject when they encounter it or, or when they notice it in the daytime you tend to see things especially on roadside and stuff when they're a little further away and uh, that could be just a, a you know daytime you see, you notice more at night you're almost right on top of it before you see it, yeah, yeah, that especially that's true. With the day. I've had so many witnesses even during the daytime tell me if they hadn't looked right at it, they would never have known it was there. it was standing that still mm. yeah, and it's in the shadows and it's just looking at you, and unless it moves, you don't see it. I think of of great possibility, and I've discussed this with Bob Gimlin many a times, that uh, perhaps when they had their encounter on October 20, 1967, if the horses hadn't reacted, they may have ridden right on by her and never been the wiser. Oh, it's true. Mm -hmm. But the horses reacted, and as soon as she realized she had been spotted, she retreated.
1: I'm just imagining, oh, gosh, walking up on one of these things in the middle of the woods, in the middle of the night. I just, I know people hey, have, huh. and <laughs> I don't know. That that <laughs> would be terrifying.
0: You know, it's the most irritating thing to me is, you know, I don't know many cameras that really take all that great of photography at night, except for thermal cams. And thermal cams. I mean, to a researcher, it may look impressive, but to the general public, all they see is Casper the Friendly Ghost on a dark background, and it means yeah. nothing to them. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I wish they could be. Uh, I could find a camera. Maybe they're more available in America. In Canada, I I have not been able to find a camera that takes good good pictures or video footage in the dark. And uh, basically, I got some good cameras. If it's in the headlights, it'll pick it up. But If it's beyond the headlights, well, then no, it won't. Hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, do you have the um, the night vision?
0: I did, band? but they seem to be very fragile. I've I've owned night vision devices. They weren't recording devices. They were just like binoculars, like starlight scopes. I own two of them. Both of them are now were ruined because they seem to be very fragile matter of fact, I remember once Bill Miller and I went way back into the wilderness on a Polaris Ranger, and we had four night vision devices with with us, and when we got to where we were going, not one of them worked. Oh, no. Yeah, the one I had broke. I guess it couldn't take the bumping, and it broke, and all three (laughs) he
1: (laughs) had didn't work. Oh, man. He
0: got no work. So here we are. I don't know how many researchers can say they went into the bush, with five working night vision <laughs> devices, got to a point to start using them, and they didn't work
1: anymore. <laughs> oh man, frustrating. <laughs> Had to <have> been. <laughs> so now, how often do you um, do you go out and investigate areas uh, a lot now, or do you um, go more to take reports? I mean. Uh, are you still both. active in the field, really active?
0: Oh, yeah, both. Some reports, okay. I go investigate it, and I quite often go out on my own. Like like I said in the 20th, it was just a spur-of-the-moment thing. I said, hmm, I feel like going out running some roads. Maybe I'll see something. And I did. Wow. And, uh, yeah. And I basically destroyed what I thought for 40 years about oh. red ice shot.
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs> I oh, was, I, tell you. I
0: was wrong. <laughs> are
1: you, listening? are you
0: hearing that? Yeah, admitted it's it. it's possible for, for animals to have a red eye glow. I never thought I'd see that, but I did. I finally did.
1: Wow. Mm-hmm. Now, you have... Um,
0: And it makes me wonder what
1: else. Like a lot of people drew through what they saw, and and gave you the pictures that they drew. Um, Mm -hmm. The one in here, in particular, it was a female sasquatch that he saw, and he said that that the the breast was also covered in hair. Do you remember that particular report?
0: Are you talking about the Ribbon Ribbon Creek area in 1969? Yeah, I think
1: that's where it was.
0: Yes, yes, and they said it was looking at them. They were cooking food at the time, and this thing was just on the hillside, and it seemed to be observing them like it had a real expression of curiosity in its face. And they assumed it was female because it appeared to have large, droopy breasts. Right, yes. Right. Yeah, and this was in the Lake Ribbon Creek area at the same time the Bighorn Dam incidents were happen, happening uh, a few hours north, uh, north of there uh, in 1969. Lake Ribbon Creek is in Kananasi's country, or as we call it today, Todd Standing Country.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. But that, yeah, that's
0: where that happened, and yeah, it was interesting. And they, and they actually found a couple of footprints that he drew a, a sketch of for me. But she said the thing just, he, he he said the thing was just looking at us. And as long as we were sitting there, it just was content to look at us. And so when we moved to get up, that's when it left. <laughs> mm. Yeah. And uh, they don't know anything, but they said because of the breast, they assumed it was female. They don't know that for sure, but they assumed it was female. Yeah. And you've
1: got reports of uh, of these things with. Different lengths of hair as well Some oh, yeah. report a um, couple inches long, some report yeah, yeah. very short, so do. they're
0: shaggy, other report shaggy in some parts like the shoulders and arm and chest, and uh shorter hair elsewhere I mean there's been all kinds of variances in that department, yeah
1: wow, yeah, so it seems like to me that um. <clears throat> There's just different types of these creatures out there. Um, They're not all going to look like the subject in the Patty film. Um, No. And some people may think that, you know, that they should, but they don't necessarily.
0: A troop of chimpanzees. I mean, to us, a chimp looks like a chimp. But to her who sat there and studied them, and took photographs of individuals. He said, See the difference in the face?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You almost see personality in them. Little traits. But this uh, chimp had long hair in his arm. This other one had more uniform hair in the arm. I mean, there's just differences. Though, in general, in the distance, they all look the same. Mm.
1: Right. Yeah, that's but that's very true. There's
0: and there's differences that occur, occurs with age and things like that and other things, and maturity, you know, all kinds of explanations for that. You
1: know. Have you ever heard of any of them being uh, all white or, or gray?
0: I've heard rather great tip reports. Now, I'd have to go back in my records to confirm this, but... If I've had any reports of white or albino sasquatch, you can basically count them on one hand. There hasn't been that many.
1: Mm. Generally, wow. the
0: color is usually reddish brown, uh, a little reddish brown, and more often enough, dark chocolate brown, or some, and quite often jet black. But dark chocolate brown, maybe a little grayish here and there, you know, a little silver tip like a grizzly bear appearance to it. But uh, that could be just a sign of age. Who knows? Uh, but albino or white, no. Uh, um, I if Just off the top of my head, I'd have to check back on my files. But if I do have any, you can basically count them on one hand, though. It hasn't been that many, Uh-oh. at least up here in me in Alberta, Yeah. yeah.
1: Hmm. Now, I know in- – in Pennsylvania, here in the States, there's, um seems to be quite a few reports of people seeing um, all-white ones. I, I actually did an interview of a gal uh, named Pat who actually saw one that was all-white, and she got a really good look at this thing. Um, it's just, I don't know, it's strange to me. How they can just be all white, how they can't be seen more than they are. So I uh, I don't know. It seems like they'd stick out like a sore thumb in the middle of the woods, but
0: it's odd. I think it's uh, it's uh, rare if it does happen. Um uh, I think now a pro you have a major hoaxing problem in the United States.
1: And mm-hmm. A
0: lot of are doing silly things with suits and let's face it a lot of the monkey suits for sale are white. Yep. Uh, a lot of the so called Obama Man of soul man suits are made white. Even though there's not that many reports of the Eddie actually being white. For somehow right. that's what public perception has been. So they tend tend to do that. Now I'm not saying everyone's making stuff up, but a lot of people are. There were some interesting cases, again, in the early 70s, late 60s in Texas. Uh, I'd have to go back because I don't really remember the details around a lake in Texas where there were a number of reports of a rather whitish-looking creature, and someone actually got a blurry picture of it at one point. But uh, who Hmm. knows, man? All I can tell you is in my files, if there are any, I can count them on one hand. There hasn't been that many. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there hasn't been that many. It does seem... It seemed like an appropriate thing in the wintertime, but in the summertime it would stand out like a four pump.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Well, we're about out of time, but I I can't end this uh, show without, let's see, I was reading in the book about you you had talked to a man who, (laughs) I got to laugh at this one, I'm sorry, I I just do, a man that claimed that he had... um, interaction with the Sasquatch people, and um, you asked him if you could see the pictures then if he's, you know, having so much interaction, surely he's got some pictures, and he said something about they can mess up the film in your camera or something Yeah, with their (laughs) minds, Oh yeah, they
0: they mind blast camera film and they can wipe out everything in your camera. That's what he was telling me. He was an occultist, okay, and he had several um, encounters with Sasquatch and several encounters with other things that are even weirder. And uh, I just politely listened to him. <laughs> I thought, you know, wow. I should have all these, and they make an interesting book on their own wild and crazy well basketball. yeah
1: because I was like yeah. wow
0: yeah but no I, I tended to just uh, politely I never I never try I learned the hard way you don't confront people and and challenge them I just listen to them stories I play say thank you and hang up the mm-hmm. phone and hopefully they think on the other end well that wasn't much fun I won't waste any more time with him
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean I don't know I, it is it's frustrating when somebody makes claims, you know, that they're hanging around them and they're – be able to interact with them, but they can never produce any type of evidence. Um, oh, the
0: back and then habituation they're upset that People again. don't believe scenario.
1: them, but, you know, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. And if somebody hey, this wants way, you, to be taken serious about this stuff. Of course,
0: you have to look into it. But also yeah, researching maybe trying to find evidence that the Sasquatch does exist, but you have to be able and willing to expose hoaxes and hoax attempts as well.
1: hmm
0: And you can tell what I wrote in the yeah. book, I did not believe what this man told me.
1: <laughs> Fringe lunatic. Is that yeah.
0: the term? <laughs> oh well, oh, French were uh inmates <laughs> yeah. taking over the in the, in the researcher point of view. <laughs> you know, that kind yeah, of and
1: I mean, it's, I've heard some very interesting things being told as well. And um, for me, don't try to solve a mystery with another mystery. You know, focus on oh,
0: oh, no. the
1: there, one there thing that.
0: There are people that who are into so much, and that's one of the biggest problems with the Internet, Great tool that it is. You've heard me say this before. It is a soapbox for every snake oil salesman out there. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I mean, just look at YouTube. Unbelievable stuff being told. And it always comes down to you got to take their word for it because they can't give you anything else. And I'm sorry. No, I don't have to take your word for it. I've learned Mm -hmm. from experience 40 years. You know, I may have had a fleeting glimpse once myself, and yet you're telling me you've had 18 sightings in the last two years? Come on. I don't buy it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I don't see any major changes coming down the pike with uh, with this whole uphill battle of um, just madness. Some of it's just madness. Uh, Unfortunately, there are people who do want to know what these things are, if they do indeed exist, and I know people that swear to God that they exist. So, um, I I just want to know what what they are and how in the world they're so good at avoiding us.
0: I'll I'll be honest with you, Julie. I'm no longer really all that interesting in proving the existence of the Sasquatch to the world at large. I do mm-hmm. this because I I want to know. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah, I exactly. just want to know. Yeah. And that's it, you know, whether or not the rest of the world learns of it, I really no longer care. I just want to know one way or the other if I'm right or wrong. That's it.
1: Mhm.
0: Yep, that's what it always yeah, comes down. And you, no matter how long you've been in this or how experienced you are, it's never too late to learn something new, and it's never too late to learn you could be wrong about things as I did the other night.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it, guys. Uh October it's, it's all a learning experience. I uh,
0: was wrong.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's well, possibly a bright red eye. Red eye shine.
1: Yep. <laughs> so people can get your books on Amazon. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: And I would suggest, hey, if you don't have any of Thomas's books, you, you're missing out. Um, especially if you're a, an investigator who is very serious about um, what you're doing, there's a lot of great things you can learn from his uh, books on the way he interviews and how he gets people to open up so much, and the detail is just phenomenal. So. Uh, check it out on Amazon, um, again, let me just say the names, it's the Sasquatch in Alberta, Sasquatch, Bigfoot, the Continuing Mystery, and Search of Giants, um, and then he's also co-authored Meet the Sasquatch, and Sasquatch in British Columbia, um, now, if anybody's listening who happens to be up in Thomas's area and you have a report, reach out to Thomas. Can they reach you on your website, Thomas? Your thomassteinberg.com?
0: Absolutely. Or you could. I still have the same phone number, 604-826-6150. My email is still the same, sasquatchatelus.net, But for some reason, Telus is having a major problem with their email service, and they've had a problem now for ten days, and it's still not All right. working.
1: Well, if anybody is up there in Canada listening and, and you wanted to share what you saw or experienced or, um, You know, Thomas, give him a call Because, you know, he's a really great investigator And uh, very professional And you will not be ridiculed So feel free no, to reach No, you will not be him. ridiculed
0: However, if you phone me up trying to make up a story Or just a weird story Because <laughs> you want to be, take it seriously Fool me. Be warned. If you if you think you will you <laughs> Exactly.
1: Thomas has <laughs> been around the block. I will to know.
0: tell the truth about you.
1: <laughs> right? Well, Thomas, uh, thank you expose. so much for coming on for another great show. Um, definitely going to be purchasing all the rest of your books uh, here soon. And, you know, I hate to say this, but... It's not long, and Christmas is going to be here, guys. So think ahead, grab up some books for gifts. They make wonderful gifts. Well, Thomas, we're going to do this again next month.
0: Roger that, my dear. Looking forward to it. Now that I'm awesome. in my new, my new digs and all straightened out, oh, it's great to have not to have to move
1: again for a little while. <laughs> oh, I hear you. I doubt if I'm gonna move again, hopefully not for the rest of my life so but Thomas, thank you so much and um until we talk again, um get out there and get some some of the great reports I'd love reading about your um people that you talk to and encounter so but guys um, listening, thank you so much for tuning in um we also. Have the Monster Exclusive that you can join. Um, you can go to our website, MonsterXRadio.com, and click on Join Exclusive. You can get a two-week free trial on that. Um, it's not for everybody, but there, you know, we do have quite a few members now. A lot of interesting things that we share in the exclusive group that you will not hear on air on our public show. So. Again, thank you all for listening, and we appreciate your support. And we'll be back next month with another episode of On the Shoulders of Giants, Talking Old Timers with Thomas.